right, welcome back to the Ottawa studios of Inside My Canoehead as we continue this awesome list of summer bonus episodes. Today we're going to talk about your five-step grid down plan. Grab your favorite beverage, let's get at her. And I tell you how many times I could let that riff go on forever. I love a great guitar riff, everybody. I hope you're having an incredible summer. Your hot girl summer, your beach summer, your hard working in the sun, roofer summer, whatever it may be, it is your job to rock an incredible life. Thanks again for joining us here at Inside Mike and Ed. We are continuing our summer bonus fun episode series that will culminate in the end of August when we start season eight. But in the meantime, a couple of quick hits, a couple of fun things. We're going to continue to talk about this throughout the summer. So today we want to talk about your five-step grid-down plan. Everybody's talking about societal collapse. We're talking about when the power goes out, when the grid comes down and you're no longer provided mains power, as the Brits call it. Number one thing we have to think about before we get into the five-step plan is personal responsibility. We hammer away at this here at Inside My Canoe Head in our book online, Everywhere We Are that the government's job and orientation is going to be towards restoration of critical infrastructure and the saving of immediate lives. Those are the two primary tasks that all levels of government have in times in the response phase to an emergency. The difference with somebody who has adopted a prepared life or a prepared individual is they're going to have a plan. The benefits of having a plan is when the world goes pear-shaped, or as I like to say, when the shizzy hits the fizzy and the grid comes crashing down at always the most inopportune time, you're executing a plan, a well-rehearsed plan, a plan that everybody in your family fully and completely and utterly understands. Everybody else is trying to figure out what's going on. They're trying to contact people. They're trying to look for updates. They're just shaking their heads. They're, they're not ready. They're just kind of reacting. You, however, you and your family are executing your plan. You may even have a code word. Let's use Pepsi, right? Your code word is Pepsi. A text into the group chat that just simply says Pepsi now. Everybody understands what that means. It sounds militaristic, whatever. I don't care. You don't even need a code word. Everybody understands that when the grid goes down, you have a well-rehearsed family plan and everybody executes, right? Limited information exchange required or even no conversation required. You don't have to try to reach out and tell people what's going on because everybody knows what to do. So what does a grid down plan contain? What am I supposed to do as an individual listening to this awesome podcast? Very simple. Number one, you have to identify what we refer to as your minimum power profile. So you look at your family, the people for whom you're responsible, the people who are going to shelter in place at your home in times of grid down and other emergencies. What is the minimal acceptable power profile you need? We live in a modern society. We live in a connected society. We live in a society with a whole bunch of variables, some of which are beyond our control. They are going to require the production and maintenance and delivery of some level of power over a period of, say, a couple of hours. Number one, cell phones. I don't care whether you agree with a technologically abled world or not. That's irrelevant. We are connected and we enable our society through the internet, right? 
You're going to have to have access to the internet to source, to communicate, to figure out, to help with your animalistic requirements. It's just a reality. People are going to want to talk to each other. Your kids are going to want to converse. People are going to want to uh, gather information. You're going to need be, to be able to power your cell phones. You may have cold chain medical, and this means you have some type of medical intervention that's required that needs some type of battery backup, some type of power profile. So that could be you have refrigerated medication like insulin or something else. You could have somebody who requires a sleep apnea machine. Whatever it is, you got to know if anybody in your family, the people who are going to count on you when the world goes upside down, need to have access to power for medical. And then freezer. Listen, I had a fridge this um that, that kind of went wonky on me and i didn't catch it right the freezer just decided to thaw itself and then refreeze in the meantime i lost a bunch of stuff now you can get an alarm for that uh, some great alarm companies have alarms that you can put on your freezer so that when the power gets cut out or the temperature drops below you're sent an alarm and alert through your cell phone awesome enabled technology the point being is what is your minimum power profile for your house right you need to know that. Measure it in amps. So the draw, the watts, battery power, recharge, whatever works for you. If you don't understand how the electricity um, equation works, look it up. It's called Google. Uh, figure it out. Figure out what you need as a minimum power profile to get you through the period while the cell, while the power is down and you don't have access to utilities. Number two is create your alternate storage or power provision plan. Now, alternate storage means you may not have any alternate power, and I'll explain that in a second. So you may have to take that stuff out of the freezer, uh, throw it in a bunch of grocery bags, and quickly transport it to a friend's house who has power. What does that look like? Don't try to figure that out when the shizzy hits the fizzy, right? It's not how that works. You need to figure this stuff out ahead of time. If you can move stuff that requires power to somewhere where there is power, you got to figure that out now. That, I throw it out there because it may be an option. Realistically, it probably won't, but your power provision plan. So understanding your minimum power profile that you have for your family now, now you know how many amps you need. I need to be able to draw four amps uh, for one hour a day. I need to be able to recharge uh, three modern cell phones a day. That type of thing, you have the ability to do it. So how am I going to deliver it? The simple is a battery backup, right? So you can get uh, battery backup for cell phones really cheap. I have two in my household. They're both off Amazon. They cost 30 bucks and they charge my iPhone SE four and a half times from zero. So if I charge my phone, if I'm good with using it, and use a day's battery every day. I have four and a half times two. I have nine days of cell phone battery power and usage just off those two devices, 30 bucks each. You can get battery backup that's a little bit more robust. Uh, I use a Jackery system. They cost a little bit of money. They're about a dollar a watt. Uh, they can go up to 3,000 watts. That's a solar battery backup. It's a generator because you can plug it into the wall and you keep it powered. Uh, now, you can use solar to recharge it. You can use a gas generator to recharge it, or you can use some other propane generator to recharge it. The idea is, is that you need to know where you're going to get that power storage from. And as an example, to explain it crystal clear, 
my family requirement is this, I have to recharge I have to charge three cell phones a day and I have to draw four amps one hour a day. That's to keep my freezer going because you can put a block of ice in the freezer, take it out, put it in the fridge and keep everything in the fridge at an appropriate temperature, right? My freezer draws four amps, four times 120, 480. So I have a 500 watt Jackery power portable system that will it drains in an hour, but it will keep my deep freeze going, which means for time immemorial. And it takes, um, with 200 watts of solar, it takes four hours of direct sunlight to recharge my Jackery. There you go. I have now, if I have low light, it can take up to eight to 10 hours, but I have pretty powerful monocrystalline very expensive folder folding solar panel so it's not always a huge amount of money um, that you have to put out i've invested a bit in my solar bit so that it's totally portable wherever i may go i can generate power time immemorial but a great little thing is a cheap gas generator or a cheap propane generator just understand you're going to have to gas that up the point being is is that the critical success in generating power is absolutely needing as little as possible. Most families are going to need the freezer and the cell phone and you pretty much it. How do you get that? You can actually, if you're a <laughs> if you're a little bit of a handy person or you know an electrician, you can create a battery storage system pretty damn cheap in your house uh, from car batteries. You hook up a whole ton of car batteries uh, together properly and under the provision of a or the guidance of an appropriately trained and certified electrician and for far cheaper than the jackery far cheaper than the solar power you can create weeks worth of power for cell phone and periodic use by, of a freezer in your basement without ever having to tell anybody because that's the one downside and we'll get to the third step here in a second the one downside of having a gas generator is that everybody in your neighborhood will know you have a gas generator and if they haven't thought about all of the steps necessary during an, a long, an, an extended period of power loss, you're telling them, come see me and see if you can get some free power from me because I have a gas generator. Now, if you got great social capital, that's awesome. But if you don't, and you and your neighbors aren't best buds, here we go, conflict 101. And the third step is your sources of information gathering that's going to be required when the power is down and the grid is down. We'll refer to last week's episode on sources of information, your top five sources of information in an emergency. This is exactly the provision of that. I'm going to recommend it in the reverse order that I presented it, but it doesn't matter. Social capital, radio, satellite, internet, and cell phone access. Social capital is the people around you. That's your neighborhood. You need to create, and I can't say this enough, and I've written tons of articles, and I wrote a 220-odd page PhD dissertation on the power of social capital in emergencies. There is nothing more important than you and your neighbors getting along and creating this friendly group. If you have that source, then you have access to not only them, but their resources, but you also have access to the network of resources that you have no idea they're a member of. If you think about you and your web of resources, as we talked about in the episode last week, those are all the things you have access to. 
As soon as somebody plugs into your social capital and becomes part of your network, they get access to your entire network. You get access to their entire network. Put 20 families together in a neighborhood, and and it's phenomenal the number of people and the resources you now have access to. That's how time immemorial human beings have been successful in the response and recovery phase of every single disaster. It is your social capital. But beyond that, you're going to have to have a radio. You're going to have to have cell and internet ability. Uh, Figure out your sources of information in times of peace and calm, who you trust, how to get it. I talked about Twitter, social media, a whole bunch of other things. Go back, listen to that episode on the sources of information. It is your number three thing for your grid down plan. So let's do a quick review. Where are we right now? Well, you understand it's personal responsibility, why you have to have a plan and why it'll put you ahead of everybody else. You've identified your minimum power profile that you need to keep basic minimum family life going. You've figured out how to generate or store that power profile for use when the grid is down. You've identified all of the sources of information you can find out to figure out what's going on. Now, you're going to have to provide number four, which is the animalistic requirements for all members of your family who are sheltering in place. This is fairly common, and you'll see this across when we talk about all the different scenarios that you may have to face, right? Your basic emergency plan that we talk about as part of Adopting with Prepared Life in our book and throughout our 190-odd episodes here at Inside My Canoe Head is... You are going to shelter in place until you have to evacuate. That is always your best and foremost default plan because everything you own is in your house. Everybody's comfortable in your house. I can't go down the road of under, of explaining how important calm and peace and positive mental health is during an emergency. And there is no place that anybody feels safer, warm, and, and around people that they care about is in their home. Right, your home is where you feel safe. It's your crate. It's your place you crash. It's where the people you love are. This is important. People are going to shelter in place. That's how you be successful. But when you do, you're going to have to be able to provide food, water, shelter, health, safety, and security. Your six animalistic requirements for people. So shelter is really easy. Right, you're in the house. You're good to go. You're going to have to figure out how to stay warm and stay cool in your house. I've done an episode on that. Check out the list. Food. Remember, food is a system, right? It's not just having non-perishable food. I I need hot coffee and hot tea in my house. Otherwise, things get really uncomfortable really quick. How are you going to boil water if your stove is electric? It's a system. Not only how you're going to store the food, how you're going to prepare the food, how you're going to consume the food, how you're going to wash the dishes, and how you're going to dispose of it. That's a system, right? You have to have a system for food, a system for water, a system for health, safety, and security. We've done lots of episodes on that. Just understand that you're going to have to provide all of these animalistic requirements for every one of the members of your family that are going to be sheltering in place in the house. So number five is execute. Now it's very simple. How do you execute your shelter in place plan? Now I'm pretty fortunate. Everybody in my family right now that resides in my residence is north of 21 years old. So I don't have any small children to worry about. So everybody understands that wherever you may be, you're at your workplace, you're out and about, you're jaunting in the world. The, the grid goes down and it stays down. Your job in my family is to get home, right? I live in a city of a million people. 
It is. I can't go running around the city with a car that I don't have because somebody else is driving it uh, to take a bus to try to find somebody somewhere in a city of a million. Everybody knows that from their workplace, from wherever they may be, it is their responsibility to recover back home, right? Figure it out. We don't have, we don't need to converse. We don't need to tell everybody to come home. Now, obviously we're going to try to reach out to assure you everybody. Obviously we're going to reach out to try to just understand what's going on and how people are, are, are progressing in their route coming home. That's great. But even if we can't do that, we know everybody is en route back to shelter in place. Now, when I talked about the animalistic requirements, a number four, I didn't mention a timeline. The reason we advocate a 14-day timeline for sheltering in place at home is that because based upon statistics that I'll be publishing in my uh, in my Oct- uh, November 15th issue of our quarterly assessment and the state of preparedness, um, sign up at preparednesslabs.ca, by the way, for that. Um, uh, evidence tells us about 92 to 95% of critical infrastructure is restored by the public sector, the government, within 14 days of loss in an emergency. The only exogenous uh, shock that stays outside of that, so that occupies that 5 to 8%, is total destruction. That comes in when you think about the more Oklahoma tornadoes that went through. When you look at what happened to that town, you take down the grid. Now, I don't mean knocking out the power. I mean knocking out all of the power poles, all of the transformers, all of the distribution. You take out the water treatment plant, right? It's not It's not that we lost power to water treatment. It's that we don't have water treatment anymore. We don't have sewage treatment anymore. That's where the exogenous shock of total destruction can put that 14-day timeline in the garbage bin for critical infrastructure, right? But if you want to play the odds, which everything is about risk probability in disaster and emergency management, you're going to play the... uh, We recommend that you play the odds and have 14 days of capability of sheltering in place, right? So that means that you will be able to provide food, water, shelter, health, safety, and security for your family for 14 days. Everybody knows that. This is the calm and the beauty of having your preconceived grid down emergency preparedness plan for your family. Everybody knows that when the shizzy hits the fizzy and they're caught somewhere doing whatever and the power goes down, they use their best wits about them however they can and they get their arse back to the house and when they land at the house they know they're going to be warm or cool they know there's going to be good food friends loving family they know there's going to be power for the minimum power profile is going to be there they know that they're going to be safe they know they're going to be secure and they know that any injuries that may occur can be dealt with through the medical services provided in your shelter in place plan what does that do that puts a total level of security in people's mind. Again, we return to the mental health game. When your stress is low and your anxiety is low, you're not worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. Obviously, your anxiety is going to be slightly higher when you're in the execution phase, when you are caught somewhere and you're trying to get your earth back home to your house. Obviously, there might be a slightly elevated piece of stress, elevated piece of anxiety. But it's not that when you get home, the anxiety will continue. It's that that's it. 
because everything else has already been considered. Everything else has already been taken care of. You've got one singular task, right? That's it. That's all. Get your butt back to your home. Get indoors with everybody else. Everything else has been taken care of. Everybody can tell stories. You've still got your cell phones. You've still got whatever communication devices you have. Um, you've got a way to reach out. Basically, you're connected. You have your minimum power profile. Everybody's home and safe. Everybody's taken care of. And while everybody else in the neighborhood or outside of your social capital or at work or all of your colleagues or everybody online, they're looking like chickens on their head cut off. Oh my Lord, I've lost everything. It's been three days without power. The government has to pay all my bills for me. Uh, You hear these people on the news and you just wonder how they survive in life when they lose it, when the power goes out for a couple of days. It's, It's hilarious, if not sad, at how far the human race has fallen, but you're not going to be one of them because you have taken the time to create your preparedness plan. You have a grid down plan for your family. And as we're going to introduce here, a one of bonus, the one key little hint I'm going to give you here. If you have a lot of extra disposable income and you don't know what to do with it, uh, I have a Garmin InReach Mini. Now, my Garmin InReach Mini is what I use to communicate with the outside world. When I'm in the backcountry paddling and I'm outside cell phone range, it hooks up through satellite communication. Now, there are expensive plans and there are cheap plans. It's 50 odd dollars a year to keep it up and running. The minimum plan is something like $14 a month. But what that allows me to do is pre-synced cell phone So it's synced to my cell phone and the contact list that's in my cell phone. So every time I update my contact list, I got to resync it. But once it's synced and up and running, when the grid goes down, right? Imagine this. I now have satellite communication. So if we can't find out what's going on at all, I can text a family member who lives on the other side of the country, who's not affected by my disaster. And in 140 character tweets, yeah, they're small. um, They can send me real-time tweets from anywhere that I have a contact in the world, and they can tell me what's going on from an outside information. So in other words, Say we had a total destruction of something massive here in the city of Ottawa and everything was down, the radio stations were down, the internet was down, the cell phone was down. There was absolutely nothing. I could reach out to my family in Halifax, Nova Scotia and say, start updating me via tweets on what's going on. And now I'm getting real-time information over satellite. If the satellites are knocked out, the aliens have shown up and it's all over anyhow, right? But that's just a backup I have. The reason I say disposable income is that a Garmin InReach Mini is 500 bucks, 50 bucks a year, and 20 bucks a month for a decent plan. Now, you may think that's over the top and ridiculous. I actually have it um, for emergency purposes when I'm backcountry paddling. So the fact that it exists is just a benefit to me. But there are really neat ideas like that out there in the preparedness world, and we're going to bring more to you. So thank you very much for listening to us this week at Inside My Canoe Head. Keep coming with your suggestions, things that you would like to see in Season 8. Sign up for our newsletters at preparednesslabs.ca and insidemycanoehead.ca. Look at everything we have to offer over at our website. Comment on our blogs. Follow us online and social media. Stay engaged. Preparedness is 
a way of life. It is a framework through which you look at everything, but it must not or ever become so laboriously intensive that it occupies everything you do. If you're checking your preparedness supplies every day and you're wondering online how to add to be a prepper, you, my friend, are over the edge and need to be brought back. So take care, stay safe, and we'll see you at the end of the week. (laughs) 